Take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 15. Matter of fact, I think today I'm going to start at verse 13. And uh, to, to include that in this section that we're going to read uh, through verse 21. The title is Faith Under Fire. You might say this is kind of like the foundational message, but it's uh, there's another one coming. Now, I, didn't, I don't like to put part one because sometimes the Lord puts something on my heart and I preach something different the following Sunday morning. So, uh, uh, just faith under fire. And then maybe next week, if that's what I preach, I'll say, faith under real fire. Okay. Uh, so, uh, just, uh, uh, we'll, we'll just be ready for that for next week as well. But uh, our text is John chapter 15. Verses 17 through 21, but it's 13 is where we're going to start. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends. Now this is Jesus speaking. This whole passage is Jesus speaking. Ye are my friends. If ye do whatsoever I command you. Now understand, you want to be a friend of the Lord? <laughs> he tells us how to be. There's not a thing that He commands us to do that He will not empower you to do, and He's given us His Word and has His Holy Spirit to lead us to do it. Now we find so many commands throughout the Word of God. And some people say, I'll have to be there every time the doors are open. And you know what? I might preach about it, but you're not going to answer to me. You say, I can't do that. Well, then uh, see if that holds water at the judgment seat of Christ. Uh, it won't. That, that's what you call loss of reward. Saved so as by fire. If you're a Christian, this is written to you, by the way. Henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Everything that we had that was breathed out in this word by the Spirit of God, made known to Christ, was made known for my benefit, your benefit, every believer's benefit, it is made for us, for our profit, and it is made known to us. That's why I study the Word of God daily. Ye have not chosen me, I have chosen you and ordained you. Do you realize if you're saved, you're ordained? Ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. And whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. Uh, understand that when we pray, you'll hear us pray here, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we pray. Uh, that is not saying goodbye, signing off. That's not what it means. 
When you're praying in the name of the Lord Jesus, it's you know His person through His Word, through receiving Him as Savior, and you know His person. And so when you're saying in Jesus' name, you're saying because I know the person of Christ, I know this is what He agrees with and goes along with, but I've got to ask for it, so I'm asking for it in the name of Jesus. I'm asking the Father. And the Father wants to do it for us. But it should be in the name what would agree with the person and purpose of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it will always be holy. It will always be righteous. These things I command you that ye love one another. I, you know, I find that verse just interesting in and of itself. Because Jesus tells His disciples a couple chapters earlier, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, Love you one another as I have loved you, as Christ loves us. Remember, He gave His life for them, he gave His life for us. Before the commandment in the Old Testament, you know, some people say, Old Testament's legalistic. Okay, well, let's look. The Old Testament says, Love your neighbor as yourself, love one another as yourself. Okay, what does the New Testament say? <laughs> it's a lot harder. Love one another as Christ loves us. Wow. You think you love yourself? You don't even love yourself as much as Christ loves you. So, the New Testament sets a higher standard, does it not? And so that's what we're told. If the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you're not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore, the world hateth you. Remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord. If they have persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they have kept my saying, they will also keep yours also. All these things will they do unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. Now you see a lot of worldly churches today. You see this nightclub church with the strobe lights and the uh, painting everything black inside there, you know, and then you have uh, this loud rock music. And they say it brings in the crowds. It probably does. But this kind of thing the world hates that we have. Because Satan hates it. God loves it. Guess who I'm going to give an account unto? It's not in this world. It's the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So, with that text, let's have a word of prayer, and then we'll get into our message for this morning. Our precious Father, I want to say thank you once again for the salvation that you've given all of your grace. I don't fully understand how you could love us knowing our heart, but you do. So thank you for your love. Now, Lord, I pray again that if there's one who does not know that if they died today, that heaven's their home. I pray that today would be the very day they come and receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And we would ask this in that name above every name, the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, as we titled this message, Faith Under Fire. You know, the word faith 
must be understood within the context of its use. Sometimes in the scripture, when it says faith, that is encompassing all the doctrines of the Word of God. And so we're to be of one faith. In other words, as individuals and as a local church, our doctrine, these things that we hold to, these things we have, for example, on the back of your bulletin, you have a list of things. That's not all that we have, but I'm just saying there's a list of things. Okay, that is Bible doctrine. We've got to be of one faith because it is Bible doctrine, and there are absolutely no errors in the Word of God. Anything the Bible teaches is doctrine. And so faith is, yes, I believe that, and I will not compromise it. On the other hand, our belief of faith under fire is when through reading God's Word, He's impressed things on our heart. He showed us His will. There's a specific will for you, and He has shown that, and you step out to do it. That is faith. And when you're opposed, it's faith under fire. Faith then, that is, faith that is real, is you are, when you know the reality, revealed will of God for your specific life and you've sought it and you know it and you should seek God's will for your life because you will be called an account whether you sought it or not as a Christian. And you know God's will, you are resolved. You are resolved to fulfill that will, to stay on the straight and narrow way and not look back not turn back, not do anything that gives you acceptance with the world at the price of bringing filth, dirt, what God hates, the unholy, into the thing God has called you to do. Faith is acting on the Word of God and under fire, it's when it's attacked for you acting on that faith. You don't quit. But understand, you may not get encouragement from friends. You may not even get encouragement from fellow church members. But if you know by the Word of God it is right and you're doing it, then you stand on it and let the Lord encourage you through His Word and by His Holy Spirit empower you to do it. The only reason you quit is because you choose to quit, not because God told you to quit. Not because of all the things that they're saying or doing to you. You stay true to the Word of God. Now, let's look at an example in the Bible. Abraham. He's in his 90s. Sarah is in about her mid to late 80s. The Lord says, okay, this promise, one I gave you, that it would be through your seed, and this, uh, what would be established through that, and we'd see eventually, you know, we'd, we'd see uh, Jacob would come, and then there would be Israel, would, his name would be changed to Israel, and we see that. But all the nations would be blessed, that is, all those who receive Christ. All people would be blessed to receive Christ with Abraham. 
having said that. But there was supposed to be the promised seed that was to be first. When they heard it, my goodness, Sarah started laughing. I'm in my 80s. I'm way past the things of a woman. I'm way past, I can't have children. She started to laugh. And God asked Abraham, as they were there talking to him, he said, uh, why is your wife laughing? She said, oh, I wasn't laughing. He said, yes, you were. See, God knows everything. You can deny it, but God knows everything. So God said, okay, you're, you're going to get that child. But guess what? His name's going to be Isaac. His name means laughter. So Isaac, whose name means laughter, was a result of that. But he was born to Abraham when he's in his 90s. And, and Sarah is knocking on the door. Which proves another Bible point. Just like the virgin birth. With God, nothing is impossible. Not at all. That's why you can say, well, that person's a homosexual. Oh, that person is a murderer. That person is a thief. Oh, that person is an abominable thing and everything is wrong. That soul can still be saved. They've got to come to Christ through repentance and faith, but there's not a soul walking on the face of this earth that cannot be saved. One second after death, it's too late. Yes. But while they're still breathing, there is hope. Psalms 119, 105 for the Christian. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. It shows me myself. It shows me the needs that I have. It's like looking in the mirror and you can see something is out of place. Something is dirty. You've got to take care of it. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And it's a light unto my path. It shows me the direction I need to go. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to your own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. So you take God at his word. And that's what Abraham did, and that's what we must do as well. The Bible, the Bible, this King James Bible you and I have, this Bible is the final authority written by the hand of God. He breathed out every word. The Bible, the Bible is the final authority in all subjects, none excluded. Now, by faith under fire then, it is meant that one stands on God's word and proclaims it and lives by the direction of the Word of God. That's what they do. They live by its direction. They follow what He says. They do what He wants. That is living by faith. When it's under fire. And, again, the world says there are no absolutes. But one day they'll find everything's absolute when it comes to God. This Word, this Word of God, has absolutely no unimportant teachings in it. Everything in God's Word is important. Don't eliminate any part of it. 
every believer should stand on and proclaim this word. For an example, Jesus, what did he do? He is God in eternity past. But in the agreement, in the discussion of the Trinity, he would take on human flesh. He'd have a human body. He'd have a human spirit. He was born to Mary. After Mary born, bears Jesus in a virgin birth, she and Joseph come together and they have more children. Jesus' brothers, for example, James is a brother of Jesus. Jude, a brother of Jesus. <coughs> Excuse me. So there were others that were born, brothers and sisters, that were born to Mary. Jesus is headed to Jerusalem. And his brothers say, hey, are, are you going to go to Jerusalem? Aren't you going to go down there? They're headed that way, you know, it's a feast, and they're supposed to go on down there. Jesus said, you guys go on. Now, he was going to go. They just didn't know. They didn't think he was. He told them, you know, he says, uh, the world doesn't hate you. But me, it hateth. Why does the world hate him? He tells them, because I testify of its deeds that they are evil. Jesus named sin. A lot of times people don't like that preacher named sin. Jesus named it. You think Jesus was evil and wrong for naming sin? I don't believe so. Matter of fact, I know he wasn't. So again, Jesus named sin. As a matter of fact, everything Jesus did, even in his humanity, maintained what is true of his deity. He is righteous in all his ways and holy in all his works. Psalms 145 verse 17 tells us. So again, faith under fire. And Jesus is talking to his brethren because he knows that he's under fire. People were saying a lot of things about him. He is under fire. Now, I've, I've laid that out there because we call ourselves independent fundamental, which simply means we abide by the Word of God. Man doesn't tell us how to abide. God does. Okay. Holding to the Word of God. People call us legalists. They call us names. Some leave when their children say, oh, those standards are too high. Some leave because friends won't like them if they become part of it. And they become the witness they ought to be. And they ought to do, when they do what they ought to do, then they, they'll go another direction. They don't want a part of that. And so, they may hate you just like they hated Jesus. But you stay true. To the word. That's faith under fire that doesn't quit. That's a true faith. If I get up here named sin, uh, it will get some folks mad. Now I'm just going to go into some things here that I'm going to give, but if I name sin, they'll get up, they'll get upset, they won't like it, and, and they'll have something to say to others. Uh, boy, the parking lot, that'll be the first topic of information <laughs> that goes out there. And, and so they may mention some of those things. But when I call 
contemporary worship, sin, with the half-naked women up there on the pulpit, on the platform, shaking everything around with no, no clothes on, hardly. I mean, they have clothes on, but they're dressed in the attire of a harlot, as Proverbs chapter uh, 6 tells us. They're, they're, uh, they're, they, that is in the holy house of God. Do you remember what Jesus did in John chapter 2? He made a scourge of cords. There were men that were money changers in the house of God, and he overturned their tables and chased them out, and they were scared enough to take off and get away from them. You think God likes his holy house being treated like a nightclub? Yet some people will get mad that I call it sin, but I'm calling it sin because that's the way God sees it. He's righteous in all of his ways, holy in all of his works. And so we call it like it is. Now, yes, you can have problems as a result of that. Uh, for example, uh, John the Baptist. He tells King Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother Philip's wife. John the Baptist, right? According to the Word of God, yes, he was. It cost him his head. He didn't apologize. Faith stood under fire. And yet, Jesus honored that by saying, there is not a man born among women who were greater than John the Baptist. That was the testimony of Jesus Christ. The culture Get this, the culture, you know, we're living in a different day. You know, they said that when I was a kid. And they said that when my parents were kids. We're living in a different day. I won't deny that. But I'll tell you what, the culture doesn't change the Word of God. Sin is still sin. Right is still right. And so, we've got to understand that. If we're going to stand and we're going to be people of faith, of true faith, of biblical faith, the kind of Christian that we ought to be. Those that would teach your child the world's ways. And they call them normal. That's wrong. Now, for example, let me just give you a few things. Homosexual, homosexual marriage. Well, preacher, you know it's different. No, it is still an abomination in God's sight. God can save homosexuals. Don't, don't get me wrong. He can save homosexuals, and when he does, he can take them from that style of life. But it is filthy, rotten, low-down sin. It is no better than somebody that goes out and does mass murders. It's no better than somebody that sells and gives drugs to kids. No better than any of that at all. Don't, don't, don't try to justify it because of the culture. The culture is not the Word of God. Uh, let me say some things here that may get some folks, I don't know if I get folks in here upset about it or not. But I'll tell you what, drinking alcohol, whether you're getting drunk or whether you're, I'm just social drinking. Mm -hmm. I'm just a social murderer. I just kill people that I think need it. Does that make sense? No, but social drinking makes sense? No. 
You're drinking something that God condemns. Why? Because it's acceptable. Look, I remember in the 50s and 60s, I mean, I heard it. At least every sermon had something about it. Smoking cigarettes. <laughs> Some places they say, preacher, that stuff's too good to smoke. You know, but it's really, they, they talked about it. They hit it hard. Of course, all that cancer had to be something from the air we breathe, not from the cigarettes. Okay. <laughs> cigarettes don't affect me. My friend, it's still wrong. It's still sin. The drugs, still sin. Oh, let me get even hit closer to home. I see nothing take, wrong with taking my kids to the movie. Okay. So you want them to learn that how they live, the extra relationships they have, the things that they do that go across the board is normal and it's the way, it's all right to live that way. Now, 99% of the world will agree with that. But at the judgment seat, you'll wish you hadn't agreed with the world. Immodest dress. It's still wrong. I'm surprised that men that have daughters will let them go out dressed in the short skirts and the other things that they wear, the tightness and everything else, the low blouses, and they will allow that to go on, and it's their child that they're, but it's not thinking about, oh, what a, what a special person she is. Listen, every one of those boys are thinking about uh, taking her to bed, and I'll tell you that, and I won't apologize for it. Now, but besides the dressing, it is still filthy and wrong when men dress up as women and women dress up as men. It is filthy, it is wrong, it is sin. But let me tell you something even worse than those things. Something that is much worse and calls for a greater condemnation than those things are these preachers and pastors that have abandoned preaching that way to satisfy the world and call it legalist. They call it so many other names and they've gone another direction. My friend, the Bible lets me know that their condemnation is greater before God even if they're saved the loss of reward, the shame at his appearing is going to be much greater. There are men that had standards at one time. They named sin at one time. Oh, they went on and did all these things as Jesus did in his time as we pointed out. And yet, they have gone along with society and they've corrupted the word of God that is holy in favor of the old nature. And they worship in a way that mimics the worship of Baal and all other false religions. That preacher, I feel bad for the account that he's going to have to give one day. And there are those preachers, they go on an apology tour, okay? They'll put on their social media, their Facebook or whatever, in, the, uh, in sermons and churches they'll preach. 
See, they started losing their crowd, and so they thought, oh, boy, I better change and do something. And so they put it out there, and they apologized. Oh, I apologize to anybody I hurt. I had the wrong standards, and I guess I was just a legalist, and oh, I am changed. That is not me any longer. Now, I don't get upset that they tell us that they're not a fundamentalist. Some churches have changed their name from Baptist. I'm glad they do. Some people say, what do you think about that? I think it's a great thing because they're not Baptists. At least they're being honest about that. They're just not honest about the Word of God. But, you see, when they don't distinguish the difference between the holy and non the holy, something is wrong. And what I wonder, that we're one way, one time, another time, I've seen it with various kinds of preachers. Old preachers, young preachers, I've seen it. And the question becomes, were they frauds then or were they frauds now? What was it? It had to be one or the other. They had a former stand, but for some reason or other, they said back then they were standing on the Word of God. Well, what happened to the Word of God? Now that they've taken a new stand. Look, it's not the Bible that changes. It's not the Bible that we have. Our King James Bible doesn't need to be changed. Man's heart needs to be changed. That's the bottom line. Even many so-called fundamental pastors have taken, listen, this is as bad as all those things I've said so far, if not worse. They've taken repentance out of salvation. They're teaching an easy believism. Just, just say, Jesus come in my heart. Like, say these words, it's abracadabra. Okay? All of a sudden it's right. Yes, you do ask Jesus into your heart. Yes, you do receive Him as your Savior. And you say, I believe there's only one God. The devils believe it and tremble, the Bible tells us. See, salvation... And coming to Christ, it's a repentance and faith, and that faith is something that changes your life. You become a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. How can you become a new creature if you're not repentant? Will you still sin after salvation? Yes, daily. But you know what I've found in my life? When I got saved, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in me, I get, I get under conviction. He lets me know right away that's wrong. And if I won't hear that correction, if I won't hear that rebuke, then he takes the, the rod out, you might say. He scourges those whom he receiveth. And sometimes he has to scourge to get our attention. He's got to bring those suddenlies, those maladies in our life. We wonder, why, Lord? Well, you weren't listening. He finally got our attention. And so sometimes that's what it has to be. And so we can call ourselves all right because I'm fundamental, but yet they abandon repentance. What do they do with Luke 13, 3 and 5? Jesus said it twice in two verses, 3 and then 4, he skipped verse 5, he says it again, same words. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Oh, I've had them say, that's speaking to Christians. 
So when it said, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That means He's just talking to Christians that, that uh, they won't go to hell, but they don't have to repent. There's a preacher, if I said his name, you'd know his name. It's well known. We had him here. I had him preaching here. He's on a Sunday morning, just like we are here. He said, the Bible doesn't say repent. It doesn't even say pray. It just says believe. He's asked me about ten times if he can come back and preach, and I've said no every time. There's a reason for that. He's blasphemed God by going back on repentance. Now, having said all of that, I want to show you something. Go over to John chapter 2. You should be in the book of John. Go to John chapter 2. Verse, John chapter 2, verse 23. Now what happened in John chapter 2 first? He's in the, at the marriage of Canaan and Galilee. He turns the water into wine. By the way, that's grape juice. All those words there are Greek words, for example, the Greek word oinos can be interpreted grape juice, it can be interpreted wine. Back in the, when it was interpreted, it was all interpreted wine. Hebrew words make distinctions. Okay, even though it's interpreted in English, uh, the Hebrew words still, uh, some are alcoholic beverage, some are not. In Greek, it's the context. You think, you think the Lord Jesus got a group of people drunk? That's what you got to say. No, that was alcoholic. Okay, got a whole group of people drunk. Oh, don't say stupid things you don't know. Okay. Now, having said that, but that's followed up that Jesus goes from Cana of Galilee to Jerusalem, goes in the temple, and what happens in the temple? He overturns the tables. He's doing things. Boy, people are getting excited. And so in verse 23 it says, now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. Oh, yes. This is Jesus. You know why they're saying that? This is the one? Because they were wanting delivered from the rule of Rome. They weren't wanting forgiveness of sin receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior, they were wanting Rome off their back. But Jesus, or well, at least it says, they believed on Him, doesn't it? That day, they believed in His name. Oh, they must have got saved, no. Notice the next verse. Jesus did not commit Himself to them because He knew all men. And needed not, you should testify of man. He knew what was in man. In other words, he knows the heart. He knows if that heart's repentant. He knows if it's right. He knows if you're coming because you need a Savior. You know you're headed to hell. And it's not a life, well, if I say these words, save me, Lord, and I'm going to go to heaven. I can live like I want to. That's not repentance. That's not what faith is about. 
Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus is preaching again. He's saying, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Hey, what is that will? The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Wow. Does that perish mean, well, because I messed up as a Christian, I'm going to die. You're going to die anyway if the rapture doesn't happen soon. You're going to die anyway. That's not what it's talking about. Those that are unrepentant, just taking this, oh, yeah, I believe him. Oh, yeah, can't say, no. It's not it. You're coming to him where he's Lord and Savior, not you. And so, not everyone saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father. Many, not just some, many will say in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Now, I preach Jesus, and in thy name cast out devils. And I, thy name done many wonderful works. And that's the problem. They think their works, being a good guy, I've not done anything wrong to anybody, I've been a good person, is going to get them to heaven. You're going to, none of us are going to do anything that's going to get us to heaven except to receive Christ as our Savior. He gets us to heaven. He's the Savior. So again, when he says that, they're working on that, they're on their works. And so Jesus says in the next verse, then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Not that I used to know you, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. And their time will be in the eternal lake of fire. Religious, but not made righteous through the cleansing of their sin by the blood of Jesus. And they're receiving him as their Lord and Savior. Now when I say receiving as Lord, I'm not like some of these guys are going around preaching out a new word of saying, well, if you messed up, then you didn't receive him as your Lord, so you evidently didn't get saved. They get saved about ten times, and every time they mess up, oh, must not have really been saved. No, that's not it. You receive him. Realize you're saved, but he will chasten and even scourge if he needs to, those that are his own. So I want to ask you before we close, do you know for sure that if you died today that heaven's your home? Are you depending on certain words that you said in a prayer? Or was there a real commitment to receive him as your Lord and Savior? Faith. Faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So just starting out, just starting out there, I want you to see your only hope of eternal life is through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you're saved, I want you to see, as a Christian, if you're not obedient, you don't do His commandments, you may be saved, you can be saved, but you're not His friend. 
It's those that obey his word that are his friends. You're his child, but not necessarily his friend. I can't tell you where you stand, but God can. And you know it because I've given you the word of God. Now, what is the relationship that you know you do or do not have? Let's bow our heads, please.